No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we look at the mysterious case of the red heifer whose sacrificial ashes were mixed in water and used for purification. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Numbers, chapter 19, on Simply the Bible. Do you like a good mystery? You know the Bible is full of mysteries. We look at one of them today. It's the mystery of the red heifer. Because of their unbelief and disobedience, the children of Israel were now wandering in the desert for 38 years. Numbers 15 through 20, just six chapters, mind you, cover this time span. Throughout the one and a half years that it took them to leave Egypt and reach Kadesh Barnea at the border of the Promised Land, there was an orderly account of time and events. But from their failure at Kadesh until they returned there 38 years later, only a few events are recorded, and these without any reference to time. Even the biblical account, or the lack thereof, seems to reflect this spirit of wilderness wandering. As we come to Numbers 19, the setting is some point during the 38 years in the desert. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. In Leviticus, Moses wrote down all the laws concerning sacrifices and blood atonement for sin. But we don't hear anything about a red heifer until now. This sacrifice was different than any other in at least seven ways. First, it was a female. While female animals were prescribed for some offerings, male animals were also prescribed depending upon the specific circumstances of the offering. But in this offering, only a female, a red heifer, could be presented. Second, although other offerings also had to be without blemish, the red heifer had the additional requirement that she could never have had a yoke placed upon her. Verse 3, You shall give it to Eleazar the priest, that he may take it outside the camp, and it shall be slaughtered before him. And Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, its hide, its flesh, its blood, and its offal shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast them into the midst of the fire, burning the heifer. The third difference was that while other offerings were sacrificed at the altar of the tabernacle, the red heifer was slaughtered outside the camp. Fourth, while the priest sacrificed other animals, the red heifer was killed by somebody else other than the priest. Fifth, the red heifer was burned with cedarwood, hyssop, and scarlet. Very unusual. Verse 7, Then the priest shall wash his clothes and shall bathe in water, and afterward he shall come into the camp. The priest shall be unclean until evening. 
And the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water, bathe in water, and shall be unclean until evening. Then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place. And they will be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. And the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It shall be a statute forever to the children of Israel and to the stranger who dwells among them. Sixth, the attending priest who burned the cedar, the hyssop, and scarlet was considered unclean, as was the person who burned the heifer. And the seventh difference about this sacrifice was that another man who was clean would gather the ashes and store them in a clean place outside the camp and they would later be used for the water of purification. So what are we to think of this red heifer? Does she not point to Jesus Christ? Number one, the fact that the sacrifice was a female speaks of characteristics of Jesus that relate specifically to women. We are told in Genesis that God created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. So neither male nor female alone expresses the characteristics of God completely. But Christ is the express image of his being. While the male Passover lamb represents the masculine characteristics of Christ, strength, leadership, a fighting spirit, the red heifer represents his attributes that are considered more feminine, gentleness, compassion, mercy. Christ has it all, and thus he relates to both male and female, being the one made in the complete image of God. Second, the requirement that the red heifer was never yoked points to the fact that Jesus never conformed to the plans of man, but was completely submitted to God alone. Third, as the red heifer was killed outside the camp, so Jesus was crucified outside the city on Golgotha. Fourth, the red heifer was not sacrificed by the priest, but by someone else. Likewise, the priest delivered Christ to the Romans who crucified him. Fifth, the red heifer was burned with cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet. It is possible that the cross was made from cedar wood. Jesus was offered vinegar in a sponge attached to hyssop and his scarlet blood was shed. Sixth, those who burned the red heifer, cedar, hyssop, and scarlet were considered unclean. Jesus prayed for those who crucified him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And seventh, the ashes of the red heifer were stored in a clean place and used for purification. Jesus has ascended to heaven where the memorial of his sacrifice for sins is constantly before God and applied to us for our purification. Consider Hebrews 9.11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, 
How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So then practically, how does this cleansing of the conscience of the believer occur? Well, let's read on. Numbers 19.11. He who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day. Then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. Now keep in mind, there would be much death throughout this 38 years of wilderness wandering. In fact, right after Korah's rebellion, there were 14,700 people who died of the plague. And those people had to be buried. And every person that touched a dead body was considered ceremonially unclean and had to be put outside of the camp. Well, God provided for their purification through the water of purification. And it was necessary because there was going to be so many people dying. And that whole older generation over the 38 years would die off. Verse 14, this is the law when a man dies in a tent. All who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. And so these were laws just for the tent because if there was an open container, that could be contaminated. Now, they didn't know that back in that day. They didn't know what we know about microbiology. But of course, we know that disease is often spread through the air. It's airborne and often associated with someone dying. And so they would have to make sure that any of those open vessels were considered to be unclean. And anybody else who had been in the tent was considered to be unclean. Whoever is in the open field and touches one who is slain by a sword or who has died or a bone of a man or a grave shall be unclean seven days. And for an unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer, burnt for purification from sin, and running water shall be put on them in a vessel. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, sprinkle it on the tent, on all the vessels, on the persons who were there, or on the one who touched a bone, the slain, the dead, or a grave. The clean person shall sprinkle the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day, he shall purify himself, wash his clothes, and bathe in water. And at evening, he shall be clean. Now, I said practically, how does this work for us? How is our conscience cleansed from dead works? You'll recall that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took a basin of water and he washed the feet of his disciples. But when he came to Peter, Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So then Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. But Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. 
So they were cleansed and we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. However, we still need the washing with water of the word of God. And we are convicted of sin. But what do we do with the sin at that point? You see, we must confess it. We must confess it often. I don't know about you, but I constantly find myself falling short of being who I want to be, saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, hearing the wrong things. And so we need this cleansing. And how does it occur? 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 7 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 20, but the man who is unclean and does not purify himself that person shall be cut off from among the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water of purification has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. It shall be a perpetual statute for them. He who sprinkles the water of purification shall wash his clothes, and he who touches the water of purification shall be unclean until evening. Whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and the person who touches it shall be unclean until evening. So let us often come to the Lord and receive the washing with water of the word and the cleansing of the blood that our conscience may be cleansed of dead works and that we might be spiritually fit to serve the living God. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com, click on Program Archives, and scroll down to Simply the Bible. Tomorrow, we will see that as the children of Israel returned to Kadesh, the people complained because there was no water. Moses erred in his leadership to the point that he could not enter the Promised Land. We hope you'll join us as we continue our study of the Book of Numbers on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.